so I hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Hope Thanksgiving went well for you and uh, was an enjoyable time. It was for me and my family. We had a good Thanksgiving. My sister, uh, brother-in-law, and my two nieces were in town and had a good time at my mom and dad's uh, eating, enjoyed the meal, enjoyed the uh, prayer that my father prayed over our family and the, the meal, and then uh, enjoyed the football game and, and all that went into it. Uh, my dad's having hip surgery this next week, and so big on his agenda was getting the leaves up. Uh, and that meant the family pitched in and helped uh, him do that. Uh, and everybody did a really wonderful job, except for my two boys. Uh, they kind of let us down. The minute that Ethan discovered that he would not, that working for your relatives does not count towards your beta club service project hours, the minute he knew that, that working for your family does not count, he was out, didn't want to help work. And uh, Owen was a little different when he discovered that Papa would not be paying him this time. He didn't have any interest in working either uh, out there. But everybody else chipped in and, and had a good day uh, of work. When we got done driving home, my wife and my kids driving back to our house, and it was dusk, and the sun was going down, and was noticing that uh, quite a few people in our neighborhood had gotten out that afternoon and put up uh, Christmas lights and started putting up lights and things around their house and uh, was noticing uh, some of the lights and of course uh, as a believer those lights that tell uh, the story of Christmas always grab my attention whether it's a nativity scene or whether it is that uh, Christmas star in the sky that reminds us of the star of Bethlehem and so I was driving home and uh, I was thinking about conjunction with what I've been reading in my own personal life to prepare my heart for this time of year. And I was thinking about the lights and the Christmas lights that are out there and how uh, those lights, as believers, they should point us to something beyond just the lights themselves. As believers, when we see these lights, they're a reminder of the great truth, the great secret that we are to proclaim, that the Lord God has declared that a light, a great light, has dawned in the darkness of this world. Now, uh, putting up lights this time of year is, uh, I guess, appropriate. It goes back to traditions in Europe and the Mediterranean, where uh, December 25th, uh, which is the day that we celebrate Christmas, that we choose to, those that celebrate, not everybody does, but for those that do celebrate it, uh, December 25th, uh, is right after the darkest time of the year in Europe and the Mediterranean. And so for a long time, they have celebrated light, light during the darkest time of the year. But as Christianity spread, Christians took that and said, this is an opportunity to point people to the true light, not just any light, but point them to the light of the Lord. And we need to do the same thing, particularly as our society... Uh, I hesitate to ever use words like Christian society because truthfully God's covenant is with his people. And when you read nations that claim to be Christian nations in the past, you quickly discover that many times they were anything uh, but that. And God has made a covenant with people now. Uh, Israel is the one nation he made a covenant with. Now he's made a covenant with those that he calls and transforms and changes their heart. Uh, but having said that, it is true that the knowledge of the Lord, at least knowledge of God, maybe not experiential 
knowledge, but knowledge of the Lord is disappearing within our society. Uh, it is more hostile, even as they celebrate Christmas. The, the hostility towards Christ and His message uh, grows every year. And so it is important that just as those first Christians that came into Europe and that part of the world wanted to point people beyond to what really mattered, it is important that we, during this season, try to point people to Jesus. We should not take for granted, we should not take for granted that those that we work with or love really know much about God's story beyond the superficial. So we need this time of year in a dark and dying world, we need to point people to the light of God. Now one of the most famous, famous passages about the light of God that also pointed towards the birth of of the Messiah is found in Isaiah chapter 9. So go to Isaiah chapter 9 and let's read verse 2, verse 5, verse 6, and verse 7. All right? Isaiah chapter 9, let's read verses 2, 5, 6, and 7. It says in Isaiah 9, chapter 2, the people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2, The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, that the government should be upon His shoulder, and His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of His government and of the peace there shall be no end. For upon the throne of David, upon His kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice, from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord. Who will bring this light? Who will bring this government? Who will do these things? The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. People that walked in darkness have seen a great light. This world, its nations, its societies, your family, your friends, many of them walk even now in a great darkness. They may see the light of the sun. You may see the light of the sun, but that does not mean that you are walking in the light of God. In fact, most people live in a spiritual and personal darkness. What does it mean that people walk in darkness? If you look at the Bible, when this term darkness is used to refer to the spiritual realm or the realm of people, darkness refers to the evil, to the ignorance, to the sin, the rebellion against God that has filled the world. This darkness filled the earth in the days of Noah. It filled the earth in the days of Jesus. And it fills our days as well. Another way the Bible uses the term darkness is to refer to our inability. There is a darkness that covers the world. 
of sin and evil and ignorance. So that's one form of darkness. There's another way darkness is used to describe our inability to do anything about this power of darkness that covers the earth. So other ways the Bible uses darkness is to refer to an inability within us to cure the evil and sin that engulf the world. For years, people walked in darkness when it came to diseases like polio. They did not know what the cure for polio was. They could do nothing about it, and they did not know how to fix it. And it was a curse. Today, when it comes to cancer and a cure for cancer, we are still in the dark meaning we do not have the answer, we cannot fix the problem. When it comes to curing sin, and biblically sin manifests itself in a number of ways. There's our sin, which is rebellion against God, uh, walking in ways that are contrary to His law. And then there is the nature of sin or the power of sin that is the idea that... um, It's not just your inability, but because of that first sin, the whole world is now under this curse that is upon it. The world is in the dark. Israel was in a deep darkness when Isaiah proclaimed the dawning of God's light in chapter 9. In fact, if you read Isaiah 8, before reading the prophecies and the promises of Isaiah 9, it focuses on just how dark Israel was was. I want you to listen to this. Listen, I'm going to read, I'm going to, read to you Isaiah 8, 19 through 22. These are the people of God. These are the people that had the law of God, that had the testimony of God, that had seen the work of the Lord done. And this is what they had devolved into by the time you get to the age of Isaiah. Isaiah 8, 19 When they shall say unto you, when the people of Israel will say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits, go unto the wizards that that peep and that mutter. When they do this, should not a people seek unto their God? Israel seeks after those that divine with evil spirits, with wizards who really have no power but a false show of power, and yet that's who Israel goes to. Should not, the prophet said. Should not a people seek unto their God? For the living to the dead? Why do a living people, why are they going to those that have no power but the power of death? Why do the living go to the dead? To the law and to the testimony. If they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. What happens to the living people of God when they pursue the wisdom of the dead, the ways of sin. Isaiah 8, 21, they shall pass through the land, right? God had promised them a land. They shall pass through it, bestead and hungry. And it shall come to pass when they shall be hungry that they shall fret themselves. They shall worry and they will curse their king and they will curse their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth. They will look up and they will look down. And they will behold trouble and darkness. Dimness of anguish. And they shall be, and this is what's so sad. They shall be driven what? To the light? No, Isaiah says. 
they should be driven to the idea that they will be driven deeper into darkness. That is the context for Isaiah giving the word of hope that the people that have walked in darkness have seen a great light. In Isaiah 8, the people are looking to wizards. And the people are looking to those with secret knowledge from familiar or wicked spirits for the answers to their problems and pain. They look to the earth for answers as well, but all they find is more pain and more darkness, more trouble. Israel looks among themselves for the answers. It's part of what it means to look to the earth. They look among themselves for the answers, but they find none. Today we look to the expert. We look to the scientist. We look to our economy. We look to our technology to solve our problems. These are our gods that we worship. And yet none of these things can lead us out of the darkness. In fact, technology used wrongly, economy not ordered uh, in a way that values what God values, scientists and experts when their knowledge, in fact, they can lead us further into darkness. At Christmas time, the world will give its best answer to the darkness. The world really does. During Christmas, the world is going to put on its best face for what the answers are to the darkness of this world. And we need to be sure this Christmas that we do not confuse the answers that the world will give at Christmas to the answer that has been given to God's people that's proclaimed by His church with the Christmas message that's going to come across in many of the cartoons, songs, and Hallmark movies that are going to flood the airwaves. Can you still enjoy those things? Yes, you can. But you need to be aware of the subtle and sometimes not so subtle message of Christmas that's going to flood us through the cartoon songs, Hallmark movies, that actually is not the message of the Bible, the message of God. The secular message of Christmas, and I've just kind of reduced this down, the secular message of Christmas seems to be if we all pull together, if we all pull together, and if maybe we just drop our ignorance a little bit and drop our pride and embrace love, if we do that and those that we know do that, then everything will be okay. Just pull together. And just, just a little more knowledge, a little more insight. And if we do that, it'll be okay. But that is not the Christian secret of Christmas. The Christian Christmas secret is that the world is actually just as dark as you think it is on your absolutely worst day. In fact, it's darker. And that there is absolutely nothing that you in your own power can do about it. But the secret of Christmas is hark the herald angels sing. Joy to the world, go tell it on the mountain, a light has dawned. And a, a light not from us, but a light from God that has dispelled the darkness and evil and sin that has gathered and, 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 and taken this world captive. Look at verse 2 of chapter 9 
at what the Word of God says again. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death, upon them has the light shined. Here Isaiah uses the image of the sun shining, dawning upon people. And if we did not have the sunlight, what would become of us? We would die without the sun. Sunlight brings life. The secret of Christmas is that in Jesus, life has been given to you. To people stuck in pain and death that have looked up and looked down and cursed each other and cursed their God, the answer is not that by coming all together and sort of a nice kumbaya spirit for a month that everything will work out. No. The answer is that a great light beyond us and outside of us has shined down to us. When I was a boy, I went to Happy Hills Church Camp over in Clarksville. And uh, we moved here when I was going into seventh grade. And so the church camp that I grew up going to was over there. And when I was a little boy, when I was eight, nine years old, it seemed like the path was forever from the game room and the chapel and the eating dining hall. It seemed like the path from all of that to, our, to the boy cabin area, which went up a hill. And unlike our camp, it, the area was not cleared out to get to the cabin. You had to go through the woods to get to the cabin. You had to go up a steep hill. And it really wasn't that far, but to an eight- and nine-year-old at nighttime when it was pitch black, you'd have your flashlight, but, but boys you know, and girls too, I'm sure, going to theirs, but boys would want to be brave. And so going up that path through the woods, we would turn our flashlights off and walk in the dark. And I was, especially when I was young, when I was eight, nine years old, I mean, I was always frightened when we did that. Had to do it to be brave like everybody else, but I was afraid. And it seemed like to my eight and nine-year-old mind, it took me forever, it took me forever to get from, from the, the, the chapel area, eating area, to my cabin in the dark. It seemed like the longest walk. But then in the morning, when I would walk back down from the cabin area, it didn't seem like very long of a walk at all. And it wasn't scary at all. And that's because the sun was shining through the trees onto the path. This is the great secret of Christmas we are to proclaim. is that God made you. Without the light of God, you can never see what God wants you to see. You may see it, but as we learned last week, you may see, but you will not perceive you will not really see, you will not really know what God desires for you until the light of God has come upon you and changed you. Without God's dawning light, you can never, ever experience all that God has made you for. And this is the true secret of Christmas and the gospel itself. Not just that a light has shined, any light has shined into the darkness. The Christmas secret is that God's light has shined upon us and broken into this world. So if that is the secret, and we are to proclaim it and make the secret known that God has done this, how has God's light broken through the chains of sin and the world's evil? How has this occurred? Look back at verses 6 and 7 and what is said about the Christ child who is this light. 
Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Who is the child celebrated Christmas? According to this promise, he is the mighty God that we sang about in that second song of I believe. We believe in this mighty God. Who is this child at Christmas? He is the mighty God, not just a little baby that we adore. He is mighty God. If you've ever seen on television, if you've ever been up up watching TBS or TNT, uh, I don't know, every few months they show uh, this foolish movie, um, The Legend of Ricky Bobby or whatever it's called. Uh, guy drives a race car in the movie. And uh, in this movie, at the beginning of it, uh, there's a time that the family is gathered around the dinner table and the father is praying. And it's a, you know, it's a comedy type thing and he's praying. And when he prays, he starts describing baby Jesus. And they ask him, why are you doing this? Saw this the other day. I was sitting there watching TV and I watched this part of the movie. And they said, why are you, why are you doing this? And he says, well, baby Jesus is the one I like. You know, cute, cuddly, little baby Jesus. That's who I like. My friends, the Christmas of secret is that, yes, there was a child that was there. But this child is mighty God come to save his people. And there will be those this time of year that will be okay with this little tiny baby Jesus if we keep him that way and we describe him that way and it gives us a little nice, warm, fuzzy feeling. The light that is broken in with the Christ child is not any light. This is mighty God. God Almighty. Now this light, He is mighty God, but this is what's so amazing about this text. In verse 6, it says that He is mighty God. But what is the name that comes before mighty God? Look back. Wonderful Counselor. He is mighty God, but He is also wonderful Counselor. What does this mean? Who is a Counselor? A Counselor is one who understands two things, not one. To be a true Counselor, two things must be understood. A counselor understands both you, they know you, and they have, uh, to some degree, whatever we are able to, they've been able to perceive what makes you tick and how you work and what you care about and what matters to you and what you struggle with. So a counselor is someone that they, they, they have been around you enough and invested enough in you that they actually, to some degree, understand who you are. They know that, but a counselor also knows something else. A counselor also has insights into the world, particularly the things of the world that you're struggling with, and a counselor is one who knows both you and the issues you face, and because they know both, the counselor, what makes them different than just a friend who might know those two things, a counselor is one who has wisdom and instruction that they can give to help you as you go through the issues and struggles that you face. This is the Christmas of secret. 
the, the secret of Christmas. That mighty God has descended and lowered Himself to become a counselor who walks with you. Is He mighty God? You better believe it. Is He all-powerful? Is He all-knowing? Now, Jesus in His ministry, as you know, and we don't understand all the mystery, but some of this He, he sets aside in some form, in some way. And you have to be careful what you say and don't say, because believe me, you can get into heresy really quick by thinking you understand all that. But He does set some of that aside in some way. He does, he, he, in certain ways, He grows, and people debate, what does that mean? And some of that is just a mystery to us. But what we know is this child is both mighty God that's why the Pharisees couldn't accept him. One of the reasons. Because he, he, what belonged to God belonged to him. He was mighty God. But he was also a counselor. A wonderful counselor. Not any counselor. Right? I've known people that know me. And they know the things that I wrestlers struggle with. And they have spoken truth to me. And in some sense, they've been a counselor. But some of those people are not wonderful. They might be mean-spirited. Or they might have some other thing going on with them. This is not just any counselor. This is the wonderful counselor. Now think about that word, wonderful. Sometimes when a couple starts dating, the girl might say to the guy, Oh, he's wonderful! What does that mean? Now thank the Lord, I haven't had to date in a long time. And when I talk to people that are going through dating issues, it just reminds me to be thankful that God has given me a wife. And I just think, man, if something ever happened to my wife, God forbid, just I can't imagine having to go through uh, all that again. But sometimes a girl will say, oh, he's wonderful. And I've learned if she's a younger lady, that might mean, well, he listens to my problems. Or maybe he can drive and I can't, so he can take me places, so he's wonderful. Maybe he can play the guitar. Maybe he's smart. Maybe he's a great athlete. Oh, he is wonderful. What makes Jesus wonderful? What makes him wonderful is that he did not have to come, and yet he has come. What makes Jesus wonderful is that we deserve and have made the mess worse that we're in because we deserve this, because our family... The family of humanity that we are a part of, they started all this with Adam and Eve. So we deserve this. This is our family legacy. This mess is what we deserve. But Jesus is wonderful. Because although we've done our part to mess it up, Jesus, the light of Jesus, did not have to enter into our story. But He has chosen to come. He has chosen to be a counselor to you. He has chosen to be a mighty God who does not just condemn, but that has come to seek and to save the lost. And this is the secret of Christmas that we must not forget and that we must not let be drowned out by the noises of our cartoons and frivolous songs and movies that we'll watch, all which in a sense can all be okay. But it's not okay if we waste this next month and do not proclaim the true secret of Christmas. Which the Christmas story is this, the light is dawned in this one Jesus who is both mighty God and a wonderful counselor. If you are glad that Jesus chose to came, 
to this world say amen. But how again? So that's how it came. But how does the light that has come become your light? Because the lights come, but there are still lots of people in darkness, and you reach Revelation, and it becomes very clear that there will continue to be those that walk in darkness. So how does the light become your light? How does the light spread in the midst of darkness? How do you leave the dark for the light? Look at verse 6 again. Look at the very beginning. It says two things about the child at the beginning. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Unto us a son is given. The light is a gift. And the way that you enter into the light is by accepting the gift. And it is a gift that is clear throughout Scripture. You can accept or reject it. And that's it. You cannot on your own ability overcome. You cannot provide your works or the works of God to save you from this darkness. What you can do is accept the gift that has been given. That is why the secret of Christmas at its core runs so contrary to so much of what our world will say for the next month because so much of our world is trying to say, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this. And by the way, there is a place for that. But it's only when you understand that no, we can't. Jesus has done it. And through His Spirit, through His people, then He can do amazing things. Our Christmas message is, do we receive or reject the light? And how do you receive this gift? If within Christmas you find the the embryonic gospel, it will be fleshed out and explained, especially by Paul and others in more detail in the New Testament. How do you receive this gift? It is by admitting that you are a sinner. And that you need and that you accept Jesus, who is both Almighty God and a wonderful Counselor. At Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus left the light and entered into the darkness of this world. Do you realize that? That at Christmas, we celebrate that Jesus left the light of God in one sense and entered into the darkness of this world. And when Jesus died on the cross, which I believe was referenced in that song, I believe, He left the light to enter into the darkness of our mess. And when He died on the cross, the witnesses say that darkness covered the land. He entered into the belly of all that is wrong with you and me. The light of the world descended into darkness at Christmas. But Jesus descended into the darkness of this world so that one day He would ascend and bring us out so that we may not descend further into darkness, but so that we could ascend into the light of God the Father. 
Christmas is not about you saving you or you pulling together to save the world. Christmas is about God coming down in the darkness to save all who will receive the gift. So maybe today you are stuck in the dark. Maybe today you are in the darkness of this world. The great secret of Christmas is that you can enter the light by confessing your sin, by confessing Jesus as Lord today. The light can dawn upon you. That is the secret that opens up all the other secrets about God and about Jesus and your purpose in this world. Jesus is the open secret that changes everything. Everything. Now we'll look in some weeks to come at some ways pointed to in the story how God expects through us for the light to spread, even in the midst of darkness, for the light to spread, the light to grow, even as that power of sin is still there and the sin that people act out and engage in and their rebellion against God, it will still be there. But what God expects for His people to do. But this is where it all starts. It all starts with understanding that you can't save yourself. And it is Jesus who has done the work and will do the work through His people. The people walked in a great darkness. But a light has dawned upon them. If you are glad for the light of Christmas, say Amen. Now maybe today you are a sinner. Maybe today you are struggling. And you might be here today. Maybe you're the one this week. Maybe there's a darkness that you are walking through and that you are going through. And Jesus wants you to know, I got this. I got you. I got you. I, I, didn't, I didn't come to save you and abandon you. I didn't come for you to stay in sin. I came to be both mighty God and a wonderful counselor to you, to you. So maybe today, maybe as you're entering into this season where everybody's acting happy, but in reality you've got a struggle, you've got darkness, you've got sin. Maybe today Jesus is calling you. And maybe for you that means coming forward and having somebody pray with you and encourage you and to help you. Jesus descended into the darkness so that you could ascend to the light. Christian, if you need the light of the Lord today, it's right there. Sinner, if you want to enter into the light, that's what Christmas is all about. It's about you confessing your sin and embracing Almighty God, wonderful Counselor, Jesus Christ. Would you stand with me this morning? I asked Brother Cecil, the musicians, uh, after we sang that second song, it came up, some of the things that it says that we believe. I said, I want to sing that. That's a great way to kick us off for Christmas about what we believe, because through the Christmas messages, you're going to see so many of the things that we believe are going to be coming out, because it's already there at Christmas. It's already there. It's already there. So we're going to sing a song of confession Maybe today, maybe today you've never confessed and you want to come forward and confess. 
Maybe you've never confessed, but maybe today the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and as we sing this song right where you sit, maybe the first time in your life, you want to confess that you believe these things about God and who He is. Listen, you do what the Holy Spirit moves you to do today. You listen to the Holy Spirit. Listen to the light of God. If you need to come, today's your day. Listen, you come while we sing. Father God, be with us and bless this time. And Lord, help us as we go through this Christmas series to think about Christmas series to think about the secret of who Jesus is and our, our calling to proclaim that to a lost world. Lord, I pray today if there's one that needs in on the secret, if they need to come and embrace you, Lord, I pray that they would come now. Lord, if there's one in darkness, Lord, help them to walk into the light by receiving your gift. Lord, we give you this time. We give you this worship. In Jesus' name, amen.